You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula Podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. My name is Sarah and I am a compulsive overeater. As I mentioned before, my abstinent date is September 9th, 2017. Um, I think that's a picture of me from 2015. Um, that was, I'm in another program and I, that's a trip where I'd gone to make amends to my mother. And part of the, you know, is there anything else I can do? I had asked her and she said, I really want you to um, get healthy. And um, she said, I'm very concerned about you. And I had no idea how to, how to make that amends because I didn't have a program. Um, so, uh, there's uh, at, at my friend's 60th birthday party. Uh, this is last weekend at my in-laws swimming in a pool. So um, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, Rebecca actually asked me to speak today. So I'd like to thank her and thank all of you for being here. Um, it is uh For me, I'm just going to talk about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. Um, Ever since I was young, um, I have been completely powerless over food. You know, a lot of my, I remember getting excited when I didn't have to ask for permission to eat anymore. So like, you know, and like with my parents, they'd have to be like, mom, can I have a snack or can I have some crackers? And I'd ask permission. And I remember when I got old enough that I didn't, I, they, you just went and helped yourself and your parents didn't, you know, that was fine. And, you know, I, we went through crackers, the little saltines crackers, like you wouldn't believe. And, you know, I uh, would watch my little brother, I would babysit him and we would just make all these, all these, I was always very extravagant with my food. We'd make all these like big dishes, which is just like crackers and cheese or something, or, um, and even when I was young and like my parents would be going off to do some, some chores and I'd be home for the afternoon by myself watching a movie and like 12 years old, I would be like, it would be like the, now I get to like make a big snack or eat how I want to eat with um, no comments um, about it. And, you know, my weight didn't really um, have any, I wasn't really worried about my weight. When I look back, I was, but that was like, I remember when I was 80 pounds, like 11 year old, 80 pounds, I wanted to be 70 pounds. Like that was like one of my new year's resolutions as a, as a young child, which I'm not sure where I got that from. So my parents, um, they're both, you know, normal weight. And my mother, I never, I can't think of any kind of negative messages I got from her or, and she never really commented on, on my weight growing up or any of that. There, That wasn't a, I don't believe I was shamed or anything like that for go- when I was young. Um, my parents didn't, didn't comment on it until I was an, an adult weighing over 30, 300 pounds. Um, so I forgot to start the timer. There we go. Um, 
So I had a pretty normal childhood, you know, one of my, uh, I, I was adopted. So that was one of the, the big things when I was really young is um, I was adopted at four months old. Um, and I have just like the most wonderful parents and a young brother, a younger brother. Um, and, you know, we, we moved around. I'm Canadian. So I moved around up there. And, and my relationship to food was, I thought was pretty normal. Like there wasn't any comment about it. Nobody said like, oh, you're eating too much. Um, I ate when I was happy. I ate when I was sad. Um, I liked eating. Um, and for most of my emotions, like there was no big trauma. There was nothing, there was no big tragic childhood that I had when I was young. I had a happy childhood. I had fun. Um, we traveled. I, I loved going swimming. I, you know, sometimes I had a hard time fitting in with people, but I feel like that's a normal, nor, normal childhood thing. And when things started to change for me, it was when I was kind of a teenager and when I got a little bit older. So I, I uh, graduated from high school and um, went to university. And for me, I also have, um, um, I, I kind of went a little nuts in university. Like I got there and then I uh, was just acting out and, and like my drinking had increased and um, obviously my eating had increased. And I had been, but I've always been like a soccer player. So I was an athlete growing up. So I, I mean, I really could eat, like I would, I, I would eat all sorts of stuff for breakfast because I'm lactose intolerant. So I couldn't have milk and cereal. So I would just eat like regular dinner foods for breakfast. And, but that never, it never, you know, I was young and it, it, it never really stuck on me. And uh, I, I did a lot of sports and mostly soccer. You know, I was a, um, a university level soccer player. And I played, you know, hours every day, hours on the weekends. And when I got to university, you know, it was kind of like, okay, now I get to do what I want. So I ate how I wanted. I drank how I wanted. I did a little bit too much of everything. And um, the world kind of came crashing down. Like I started getting, um, I got uh, kicked out of university, got got back in again, Um Oh, and also one of my issues, issues, I have ADHD, so I was prescribed some, uh, some medication for that when I was about 16 years old. And part of the, one of the side effects of that medication, which, you know, could explain was uh, that I, I lost weight easily or I got like really skinny. So like my mom's concern when I was growing up was like, you need to make sure that you weigh enough. So that was the one thing I had is she was just like, don't get too skinny. And that was my, you know, and that only happened because of, I was on medication. I mean, I've never eaten when I was young. I just, I ate what I wanted. Um, and so, you know, the, there's a lot of things that came up when I got to university, which was like, you know, flunking out and coming back in and flunking out and coming back in. And I just really felt like I, um, I really just, I was such an imposter. Like I felt like so I was an engineering student who played like high level soccer and I had been like to nationals and all of that. And I just felt like one of these days, you guys are all going to figure out that, that I'm not supposed to be here, that there's something wrong with me. And, um, when I flunked out of school the second time and I, I just couldn't understand it. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm very bright. Like I'm like, I, I can do this, but my, my life had already become out of control. And I wasn't um, able, it was completely unmanageable. And so what I had done was then I just stayed in my parents' basement for like the next 20 years, like drinking and eating. And um, I put on about 150 pounds in one year. And that really affected me in the, like, I'm not going to leave the house, you know, like the, like the, the guilt and the shame and the pain of like, 
um, I, I lived in a town that I'd grown up in, like I, I lived in for maybe 18 years. So I didn't want to see anyone who knew me, anyone who knew my family. I just did not want to leave the house. I left the house, went to 7-Eleven, bought junk and, and came back down to the basement. And I just like the, I couldn't leave the house. I would sit there and eat over like, my brother's probably ashamed to see me. He doesn't want his friends to look at me now. Nobody's going to recognize me. And I just would eat and, and feel sorry for myself and eat and feel sorry for myself. And like, then wake up the next day and think, okay, all right, I'm going to get, I'm going to get this weight off and I'm going to figure out my life. And I would just be like, this is the day. And I would have like one day of clean eating and then do like an exercise tape. And then by the time I went to bed, like I was like, I can't do this. And I would be just stuffing my face again. And, um, you know, uh, shopping for clothes became horrible because then I had to go into the plus sizes and just the guilt and the shame. And like the, you know, I just beat myself up over and over again. And so that was mostly my twenties. Like my twenties was just like me putting on, you know, a hundred pounds and then 150 pounds and then 200 pounds. And, um, you know, like, um, I had other issues like that my parents were concerned about. And so they had put me in a hospital for a little bit. They sent me to nutritionists. I went to nutrition classes. And um, then my parents moved to a different uh, city. And so I moved with them to this new city. And I thought, this city will be the change. Like, I'm going to go to a place where nobody knew that I put on 200 pounds in the last few years. Like, nobody knows this. So now I can just start. And so I went and I went and I and I thought, okay, now I'm just gonna get healthy and my life is gonna change and and I'm gonna do this. And and I I went and I lived in my parents' basement again and I didn't get a job and my life stayed exactly the same. Like I would drink and eat and drink and eat and um just the weight continued to go up and soon I was, you know, 260 pounds and um I was just incredibly, you know, just like lost like very self-pity very much like okay well what's the next plan you know like I'm very bright I'm sure I can figure out what like I I can research and I've taken nutrition classes so maybe I can understand what I need to do and then just do it like my parents were like well why don't you just follow this diet that the doctor gave you and I'm like okay yeah and then I I just you know all the insanity of like this portion sizes you're measuring you're weighing and I couldn't stay to it because I I'm you know I want to go back and say you because you're a compulsive overeater like this is not something that you can control I couldn't just get a list and say okay this is what I'm going to do and so um yeah so we moved to Winnipeg and my life was exactly the same and I was um just eating and my and I gained weight and you know I but then I got a, a job and I had started um, smoking, so I, I kind of dropped a few pounds when I was smoking, but I, I, I couldn't afford um, not to buy cigarettes anymore, so I stopped smoking, and I put more weight on, and I, I just, um, I didn't, I was just out of control. I became pre-diabetic, and I had to go to the, to the doc, this, like, pre-diabetic um, clinic, and I went, and and I, and she had talked to me about my food and, and here's this, you know, the, here's what this looks like. Here's what you need to do. And like, I had been drinking a lot at that time. And I just like blurted out to her how I can't stop drinking. And I think maybe that's the problem, like completing, completely bypassing the fact that I was there because I was pre-diabetic and I was, you know, a compulsive overeater who um, was powerless over food, but I just blurted this stuff out of like, I can't stop drinking. Maybe you can help me with that. And she was just like, uh, I can't help, you know, she, I think she was like, 
good luck with that. Like, I can't help you. And I was like, okay, all right. And that was like, all right. And um, I had, I think I started cutting out sugar. I, I had done another diet and exercise, you know, um, the clean eating one. I had done like a smoothie diet. I had done a ton of different diets that I, I had had some success with is what I would say. So like, I know it works. And then I would think, okay, well, if I can just stick to it for longer than 12 weeks, maybe this would work. And so I would jump from diet to diet and like go up and down and up and down between like, I remember at one point when I got married, I was like 260 pounds and that, that had been probably the lowest I'd been in a few years. And I thought, okay, if I can just, if I can just eat smoothies for the rest of my life, then I think I, I got this. And um, I did not see how insane that was. Um, I, I got sober in 2012 and I thought like my life got a little bit better. And so I thought that, okay, well here, like everything is going to change. And um, a couple years, a year into it, I think um, my, my food had gotten worse and I was still just as, just as powerless and just as, okay, here's the new diet. Here's what I'm going to do. Go and buy all the ingredients and then start it. And then a week later, kind of quit. Here's the next thing I'm going to do. And just trying to control and manage my eating. And it really just wasn't working. And I, I ended up going to a therapist for something because of, I was really stressed out or something. And and she had mentioned OA and I was in, living in Winnipeg, Canada, and they have really good OA in Winnipeg, Canada, but I was so angry. I was like, I don't want to have, I don't, I really didn't want to be a compulsive overeater. I'll be anything but a compulsive overeater. You know, like maybe there's, you know, maybe there's something else that can be wrong with me. I don't want to have to go to OA. I don't, I really was just so angry about it. And so I didn't, I ended up not, I'm disappointed now because how OA or OA is great in Winnipeg, but I ended up not going and um, I moved to Spokane, Washington and I got hooked in here and I met someone who had, who had been in, in OA and she looked at me. I was over 300 pounds by that time. You know, I came here, got married and I thought, okay, this is it. Like, this is the rest of my life. It's going to be great. And it was just, um, just that self-obsession of worrying what someone thought of me as an overweight person, what someone thought, Oh, what did my in-laws think of me? They must think I'm, you know, way too fat for to marry their wife or all these like negative thoughts of like my worth being outside, which was really distracting from the fact that like, this is like, I have a disease. I couldn't see it like that. Um, And so I moved here and I I, I made a friend who was in OA or uh, was trying to get an OA and, and uh, she had said, well, you you know, you have food issues. And I was so hurt because she had mentioned like, well, you clearly have food issues. And I was like, you know, I was over 300 pounds. And I was just like, how dare you say that to me? And I was like, I can't believe it. And they, you know, I, I, I had a hand out to me, like, if you ever want to go to an OA meeting, you know, this is where it is. And I tried a couple and um, in this Spokane where I lived, like I went, I looked online and I went to one where they said it was and I couldn't find it. And so I was like, I did like my one try and I was like, that's it then. I, clearly I'm not supposed to be in OA. Like I, I didn't want to call or try or any of that. And, um, I really fought against it. And, uh, eventually my wife and I had, uh, my, my wife had our first child and, um, I, it kind of shifted things into me of like the react, like I couldn't fight or be angry at, or cause it could be angry, but the, like my, I want to see my kids grow up. I, I really want to see these well, this, at, one, at that point, I had one child, we were having one child, and I was like, I want to see her grow up, and, and I just knew something, I just knew by doing what I was doing, which was not treating my compulsive overeating, and eating how I was eating, 
And um, I, like that wasn't going to happen. I was actively dying from this disease and hoping that I could have a this be a mom. Like I just wanted to be a mom and, and see these these children. This next, you know, then this one baby grow up that we were going to have. And and I, I just was in this. I was have, starting to have night terrors, starting to have all these um, just horrible waking up knowing that the darkness was going to come. Like I'm going to die before I'm going to get to. Like I just knew it deep down, and I was just in this horrible despair and I was about to tell my my, my friend who was going into how uh, to go, go into OA again and I was about to tell her how um I was going to do this new thing this new diet that I was going to do because she's like I'm going to go to OA um I have some numbers if you want to call them and I was like about to tell her about this you know I'm going to try clean eating again or something you know whatever this new fad was I'm going to do that and this exercise plan I think that's going to be and this it's almost like I got pulled out of my body and watched myself because what came out of my mouth was yeah, maybe I could get that number from you. Maybe I could get that. You know, like I had to be in a lot of pain before I, before I said, okay, maybe just, maybe I need help for this. And, um, she gave me Mary's email and, um, I emailed Mary and I said, here's, you know, here's my story. I don't know what to do. And then we started talking on the phone and I really, I really just thought I knew what I needed. Like, I was like, I know what food I need to eat. I know what I need to eat. But All right, honey, I, got, I think I'm going to take off. Um, but what I did uh, here on the other line when I was talking to Mary was a woman who had been abstinent, I think that for eight years. And so that was enough to quiet me of like, okay, well, I don't know how to be abstinent for eight years. So I'll just listen to what she, she's telling me and I'll do what she's doing. She's doing how away. Okay, I'll do that. And it took a few mo- a weeks of talking to her. And then I ended up with a, um, one of her sponsees ended up sponsoring me in, in how away. And I just, I thought I knew better. I thought I, like, oh, I don't know about this, but I just, I was willing enough to just do what was laid out in front of me one day at a time. And I thought, like, I would tell myself, okay, after 12 weeks, we'll see how it looks. Like, I, I just, I was not all in. I was like, okay, well, we'll just see how it goes. And um, I did that and I, I, I did it. And I, I lost a considerable amount of, um, released a considerable amount of weight at the beginning. And, and I, and then I got to do my fourth step. And by then I was working with Mary again. And I got to do my good fight, whatever the hell that my means. um sorry, Deborah. Okay. Uh I, I got to do my my uh fourth step and it was the most love you. The most fourth step I have ever done. Um because that I, I wasn't eating, I, like I wasn't compulsively overeating at the time. So I was able to be incredibly honest and and do a fifth step with my sponsor. And what happened for me is a lot of the um, like it's my like a my mother in law. I, I had a held resentment against her for a long time, and and unable like I had felt hatred. Um, and what happened with with the, for me was when I worked the steps, God took that to remove that from me. And I got to, you got to replace it with love. And by then I had had, um, I know Kenna was one. So I, we had the the one child and I think I was pregnant at the time. Um, but we had uh, this baby who I got to not get in the way of my daughter's relationship with her grandma. And I had done that before of like, you don't get, you know, like just getting in there, controlling it. And I got to take a step back and just just be loving towards this woman who had ra- who, who raised my wife, you know, this, and, and that was something that had never happened to me before. 
and I got to make amends to my parents again. And they got to watch my physical change and also watch the change that happened in me, the spiritual um, relief that I got through working the program of how OA. And um, then I had a baby, uh, my food changed and went all crazy. And I, I got to just share about how, um, cause I got, uh, I had gestational diabetes. So I, I had to eat every like six times a day and check my sugar and do all these things that it's just so grateful because I know I would not have been able to do that. Like I would have, would not have been able because I'm powerless, so powerless. And I, I want to control and enjoy my eating and I cannot do that. And I was able to control my sugar, like my blood sugar through that time of um, growing little willow in my belly. And then I had a baby who was, who was she didn't have to go to the NICU. Um, and they checked me for gestational diabetes early because I was like, it just, it just worked out perfectly. God was in all of that. And, you know, since that, like, since the lockdown, I've, you know, got to tighten up my food again. And I, I got a sponsee, one that has stuck so far. And it is just the most rewarding thing ever. I get to show up for another woman and um, be their basic food sponsor and now taking them through the steps. And I get to watch the, the changes that happen in their life. And I get to share my experience, strength and hope. And, you know, I get... Okay, thank you. And I really, I just, I'm just so blessed today. You know, I am not in that darkness where I'm going to sleep thinking you're never going to wake up tonight. Like that was what I was telling myself every night. And today I get to go to sleep and just thank God for abstinence today. And I get to wake up and say, okay, God, you got my food today. Um, and I have a sponsor who tells me to enjoy every abstinent bite. And that's what I get to do. And, you know, my, I, I'm, I'm taking care of the kids at home now because of the um, pandemic. And, um, you know, I had other plans for my life. I had other plans for this year. And um, I'm just, I'm so grateful that I get to show up and say, okay, God, whatever's, whatever your plan is, how can I be most of service to, to those of my fellows? And I, I get to be a loving mom and I get to be a loving spouse. And, a, and my parents, um, you know, from that one picture of me and my mom, that is not who they see today. And I get to just do Zoom meetings with, or Zoom, family Zooms with them and call my mom and, and just be such a present daughter who is, you know, healthy today. And I'm just very, very grateful. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Sarah. Um, now, is, now is normally the time for our seventh tradition. If you'd like to donate using one of the links on the screen, we will also post it in the chat box. Our seventh tradition states that OA is fully self-supporting, accepting contributions only from OA members. While no dues or fees will ever be required for membership, OA needs help to keep its uh, rooms open, provide opportunities for, shelf, for fellowship, and spread its message to still-suffering compulsive overeaters around the world. A $5 donation is suggested, but please do what is right for you. Donations are not required to attend OA meetings. If this is your first meeting, we welcome you and ask that you do not contribute. The meeting is on us. Now is the time for sharing. Please share your experience, strength, and hope, and confine your sharing to the program of recovery. Please refrain from crosstalk, which is giving advice to others who have shared or speaking directly to a person. Please refrain from mentioning specific foods. Newcomers are asked to wait until the last 10 minutes of the meeting to share. 
Everyone, please stop talking after the two-minute timer goes off. Please refrain from clapping so we have more time for shares. And Sarah, do you have a topic for us? I do. I have a line from page 63 of the um, big book. It's my favorite one, one of my favorite lines. They're all my favorite at one point. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as if we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter, and we were reborn. Thank you.